This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. The Holy Gospel according to Luke 19, Luke 19, 28 to 40. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethpage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus. After throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. Kind of a funny rendering, they set Jesus As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen. Saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said, To him, teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were quiet, the stones would shout out. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. So we've got a little palm tree or palm plant in our shed at home. Uh, Maybe you've seen it in the corner Uh, on a Sunday service that we've done from there. And it was this beautiful little plant in a smallish container, five or six green branches, palm branches, beautiful. Uh, But unfortunately, under my care, it has started to die. It is turning, it is now more, officially more brown than green. And I've tried watering it a lot. I've tried watering it a little. I've tried not watering it at all. I don't know. I thought about bringing it here uh, for Palm Sunday, but it was just so sad. So instead, I've got some plastic palms from Michael's. Hope that that fits fits the bill for today. So here we are on Palm Sunday. And if you spent any amount of time going to church over the years, uh, it's somewhat of a familiar scene. Jesus riding on a small donkey into the city of Jerusalem as the people lay down their cloaks, wave palm branches, and sing hosannas. And we've heard, many of us, the story a number of times. Perhaps we've waved palm branches ourselves or enjoyed while the children waved the branches. And as a pastor, I've always wrestled with how to approach uh, this day. You know, do we provide palm branches? Do we do a reenactment of sorts? How are we to think about and, and, and honor and, and celebrate this day? And do we leave the palm branches aside or not? 
Well, how I perceived this day growing up in the church was that this was a celebratory day because the people are honoring Jesus as the Son of God. And the shouts of Hosanna, meaning save us, indicate that they know he's going to save them from their sins. And so in a way, it was sort of a, a spiritualized reading of this story, which then, of course, leads up to the crucifixion and resurrection, which was also sort of spiritualized as mainly being about Jesus finding a, a way for us to get to heaven after we die. And the fact that Jesus was killed by a powerful political regime as a form of capital punishment, that wasn't really on the radar part of the consideration. But of course, as we take a deeper look at the historical setting, we'll see that the meaning of this day really is much more multifaceted. There's a lot of layers, a lot of things going on. And a lot of it has to do with that particular time and place. Because here we have a nation, Israel, that's subjugated by a world power, the Roman Empire. And these people have been under the foot of Rome, and like anyone who's under oppressive rule like that, they're longing to be free. And this longing for freedom was deep in their bones. In fact, the people are coming to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, which recalls what? Freedom from slavery in Egypt. Right? God redeeming them from another sort of worldly power. And so as Jesus enters Jerusalem, the people are literally there to celebrate a liberation festival. Which means, of course, that this is already a politically charged moment. And to further help us understand this episode, we have to go to a more recent episode in Jewish history not so much recent to us, but more recent to them, less than 200 years earlier than our episode here in the text, the Jews were also under the rule of a foreign power, but this time it was the Seleucid Greeks and not yet Rome. And they experienced an unlikely victory led by Judas Maccabeus, known to his friends as the Hammer. And under his leadership, they had redeemed, liberated Jerusalem and the temple. And 1 Maccabees, the book of 1 Maccabees, records some of this event, and it says that they entered the city of Jerusalem, and listen to this, with praise and palm branches, and with harps and cymbals and stringed instruments, and with hymns and songs, because a great enemy had been crushed and removed from Israel. Praise and palm branches, and songs. Does that sound familiar at all? It was only 200, less than 200 years earlier that this had happened. And so waving palm branches then was not just a convenient prop or something they just happened to have in hand, right? Palm branches were a symbol of resistance. And they were waving them as Jesus enters the city on the eve of a liberation festival. And while the people are saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And so to top it all off, calling Jesus king and not Caesar 
Well, that's the capstone of a completely subversive event that has gone long past subtle. No wonder the Pharisees are anxious, right? Jesus, tell these people to shut up, right? Do you want all of us to be killed? Of course, in, my, in our reading growing up, we, the Pharisees wanted them to be quiet because they were Jewish and didn't believe in Jesus. As, anyway, it was a different reading. But you've got to imagine in this context, they know exactly what might happen. And in case all of this wasn't enough, historians note that there likely would have been another procession happening on the other side of town, from the west. That is where Pilate, the Roman prefect or local Roman ruler, would have entered Jerusalem at the head of a column of imperial cavalry and soldiers meant to inspire fear into any of those who were onlookers. This was known as a triumph or a triumphal entry by a Roman military leader. And he, of course, would have been riding a majestic war horse, not the small little colt of a donkey. And so Jesus, riding that little donkey with his ragtag group of followers, in some ways is using sort of a street theater type reenactment to lampoon the way of Rome, the way of empire. And it would be more correct to call what Jesus is doing an anti-triumphal entry. A donkey was a symbol of peace. The palms are symbols of resistance. And the joy in the song of the people is the opposite of the silence that would have looked on at that imperial might. And some want to say, the Bible isn't political, or that Jesus wasn't political. But this might be the most political episode recorded in the Gospels. And none of this is even by accident, right? Because Jesus, at some level at least, has arranged this, right? He's told the disciples, go on ahead to such and such his place, get a donkey. When he says such and such, you say such and such. And that's exactly how it all plays out. Right? And so this isn't even happening by accident. Jesus, in a way, is shouting while riding quietly on a donkey that the way of God is the way of peace, not the way of violence and empire. And the people can't help but respond with joy and celebration. And it's such a charged political moment that the Pharisees who walked the line, I think, of Roman obedience, sort of doing what the powers that be wanted, versus trying to balance faithfulness to God and the people that they're serving, they're trying to shut it down because they know what's likely to happen next, right? You don't poke Rome in the eye and live to tell about it, right? They're trying to minimize casualties here. And yet Jesus responds beautifully, that if you manage to shut these people up, the very rocks will cry out because the very creation itself is rooted in God's way. Peace. Now in the aftermath of this parade, in the next part of Luke's telling, we didn't read this part, 
Jesus weeps over the city. He says, if you, even you, had known what makes for peace, but you would not, and now it's too late. Only you had known the things that make for peace, and now it's hidden from your eyes. Because I think he knows at some level that those waving the palm branches aren't all waving them as a yes to Jesus, particularly in Jesus' way of peace. Some of them are simply waving them because they are tired of Rome and they're ready to get rid of Rome by any means necessary, even if that means violence. And Jesus knew where that would lead, and history shows that just a few decades later, Rome would come in and obliterate the city. The way of peace is really hard to follow. And so what are the takeaways for us? It is a complex episode. I think one of the challenges for us is that we read about this anti-imperial event while living in the world's most powerful empire. Right? We are, in many ways, the Rome of today. Right. And now empire can bring some good and beautiful things. There's no doubt about that. But often, it will also use violence to get its way. And so we know that our own national history, right, is filled with beautiful moments as well as moments of brutality. And so I think the invitation for us on this Palm Sunday is to consider where our ultimate allegiance lies. Is it to the kingdom of God and the way of peace embodied by Jesus? Or is our ultimate allegiance to a particular country and its military might. Now, of course, again, it's complex and it's possible to care about both and be committed to both. But what is ultimate? The truth is that there's often a cost to following the path of peace. Archbishop Oscar Romero a leader, was a leader in the church in El Salvador over four decades ago, and he said on Palm Sunday, April 8, 1979, the church cannot support those forces that place all their trust in violence. Let me say that again. The church cannot support those forces that place all their trust in violence. He's acknowledging that, yes, there is violence, there is ugliness, there is brutality out in the world, but can we in the church imagine and embody and walk into another way? Well, less than one year later, on March 24, 1980, Archbishop Romero was gunned down on a Sunday as he celebrated Mass, one week before Palm Sunday. He knew that the gospel does not call us to chase after security. It calls us 
to follow the one who comes riding in on a donkey on his way to the cross. And so if we can't speak up or stand up for peace, even when that conflicts with the national interest, well, the very rocks might show us up. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Maybe so. Invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.